Last time on the Skip and Josh podcast. So I did listen to a new podcast this week. And so I listened to an episode of Reply All, the one you recommended about the girl whose uh, Instagram account was hacked. Yeah, the Snapchat thief, not Instagram. Um, To me, there's no difference between those (laughs) things, of course. You're listening to the Skip and Josh podcast with Skip Sherman and Josh Obadia. I'm Josh in Toronto. And I'm Skip in Montreal. In today's episode, the 81 Expos, a heated argument, and dating rules. But first, a game show. Okay, Skip, so I thought for today we're going to play a game because games are fun usually. This is how the game's going to work. I'm going to be, I'm going to pretend to be a game show host and you're going to pretend to be a game show contestant. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to give an answer. Luckily for you, it's a multiple choice question. So if you didn't study, don't worry about it. Last time you asked me questions like this, I didn't like it because you led me, you were, you were leading the witness. You were trying to get me to answer something to prove your point and I didn't appreciate it, but I'll let you continue with this little game. Okay. Fair enough. So, um, the name of this game show is called, which former professional athlete is a bigger idiot? Oh, this is the best. Oh, this is the best. Now, funny enough, when I thought about this game, like four days ago or five days ago, I only had two former professional athletes to put on my multiple choice. Mm -hmm. But does it have to be former? It could be current, no? No, no. This, for this game, it has to be former. Okay. But luckily for me, yesterday, another former athlete did something stupid. So now you have three choices instead of two. Great. Okay. Super. So I'll tell you who the athletes are. And I'll tell you, in case you don't know, what they did. Okay. So choice number one is J.R. Smith, former NBA basketball player. Yeah. And you may have heard what he did, but in case I did, yeah. some of the he beat listeners... Up a guy who was, who he beat up a guy who he thought damaged his car. Right. Yeah. So there was a protest going on somewhere, and yeah. J.R. Smith's car window got broken. Mm-hmm. And I guess he thought, or maybe he knew who did it. Whether yeah. it was done intentionally or not, I have no idea. Yeah. And so he, he proceeded to beat up this guy. Yeah. This guy who is... No, you know, J.R. Smith is a former athlete. He's in good shape. He's strong. He's also probably like six foot six or something. Right. He's a big guy. He's a strong guy. And this yeah. guy that he was beating up is just a regular Joe Schmo like you or me. So mm-hmm. J.R. Smith's not going to have any problem beating up this guy. And right. he was on the ground, the other guy, and J.R. Smith was kicking him. And I don't know, eventually one of J.R. Smith's friends grabbed him and pulled him away and... The guy who was on the ground was able to run away and get away. Anyway, that's choice number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Choice number two is Lenny Dykstra. Now, I was never... Oh, by the way, let's go back to choice number one for a minute because let's not forget what J.R. Smith did in the NBA Finals where he got a rebound and thought that they had a lead and instead of tapping in the rebound, he dribbled the ball out to midcourt and the Cavaliers lost. So already he's a bit of an idiot for that. Well, yeah, continue. I have thoughts about J.R. Smith, but yeah. Fair enough. So then... Lenny Dykstra, we already know he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Right. So Lenny Dykstra, I mean, I was never a fan of his because he played on the Phillies and the Mets. And of course, they were big rivals of the Expos. Yeah. And so I don't know if you heard what Lenny Dykstra did this week. I actually did not. Okay. So this comes in thanks to listener mail from Dave in Toronto. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. And so Lenny Dykstra was suing Ron Darling and the New York Mets. And the lawsuit was dismissed by the judge. But let me tell you what Lenny Dykstra was claiming. He was claiming that Ron Darling, who was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and underwent surgery for it last year, faked his cancer and that the owners of the Mets, the Wilpons, knew all about it and they were in on it. And, and, And Lenny Dykstra claims that he has documented proof of this. Right, okay. So the fact that it actually went to court is surprising to me in the first place. Well, everything in the United States could go to courts. Everything. It was dismissed by the judge. Josh, people have made millions of dollars because they sued McDonald's or coffee comp- uh, like restaurants because coffee was too hot. It's <laughs> a clear violation of your rights as a consumer. It's an infringement on your constitutional rights. It's outrageous, egregious, preposterous. <laughs> but actually, you know? it was too hot in that instance. <laughs> There's, so you agree with that one. <laughs> there's a very good documentary about that. And, and the coffee was too hot. And ever since then, all those coffee places have to make sure that their coffee is not that hot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so who's the third one? So far, we've got two great candidates here. Yes, we do. The third one is Carl Crawford. Carl Crawford was arrested for domestic violence. This um, is the guy who was the former outfielder for the Rays and the Dodgers? That's correct, yes. Okay. And I think he was on the Red Sox as well, maybe. Maybe, yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, I'll just read you one part of the story because I don't want to read the whole story and have this go too long. But mm-hmm. um, the victim claims that Crawford arrived at her apartment in Houston on May 8th and unloaded the clip of a semi-automatic handgun before ejecting a round of the pistol and beginning to walk toward her holding the firearm. Mm-hmm. And this goes on and on and on. Yeah. Anyhow, so those are your three choices. There really is no wrong answer. That's a really tough one, Josh. I like how you pulled this out because we could add so many people into this list. I mean, like, if we look for the idiot of the week, we could definitely find one. This could become a weekly segment on our show. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to just disqualify J.R. Smith from winning today. Um, Like I said about Dykstra, like... J.R. Smith's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Like, we know that, that the whole, like, not calling timeout. Like, this guy has a history of just being sort of, like, in his own planet, right? Um, And the whole thing with his car and everything, I'm ready to sort of give him a minor pass because of the whole protest. And he, he got caught up in everything, you know? Like, I could see how everything that's going on in the world... And in his city, wherever he is, you know, where that protest is, he's getting caught up in the anger of the moment, you know? So, yeah, what he did is, is he, is he allowed to just go and beat up people? No, but... Um, he was kicking case, a guy when the guy was down on the I ground. Know, I know, I know, but uh, I, let me just start by saying, like, I don't think what he did is right, but, like, I think there's bigger idiots in this list, right? Now... That's why Carl it's a contest. Crawford, Carl Crawford, like, what he did is just completely wrong and illegal. He should be put in jail. Like, I don't, I don't want to qualify him as an idiot because then there's a million idiots out there because there's tons of people in jail who have done, who are guilty of domestic violence and, and what, you, you know, I, we don't kind of get into a discussion about, you know, why people are allowed to carry guns in the United States. But, um, so for me, it's Lenny Dykstra for sure, <laughs> for, for sure. Because like, it's one thing to like, 
have a beef with a former teammate and take them to court and everything. But like to say that this guy's cancer is fake, like like what in the holy hell? Like honestly, it is absolutely crazy. Like to even want to like, I, I just don't get it. You know. Okay, well there you have it. So oh, yeah, Lenny Dykstra. And by the way, Lenny Dykstra is like he's a polarizing figure in baseball. You know, everybody pretty much knows he was using steroids. That whole Phillies team from '93 was right. Oh really? Um, I, I this is the first I'm hearing this. Well, I mean, there's guys on that team like Darren Dalton, Dykstra. Uh, Hollins. Do you remember that whole team? They were all of, like... Uh, of course I remember. I didn't know they were all doing drugs. Well, I mean, there's no proof. But in my mind, it's like, that's the steroid team. You know, like that's the steroid era and that's the steroid team. Like, especially Lenny Dykstra. You see the size of this guy? When he was on the Mets, he was a skinny little center fielder. And all of a sudden, he was on the Phillies. He's like, this, like uh, he's all beef, you know? Okay, well, that just makes me dislike them even more. I'm sure I mentioned this on, on our show before. There is one cool thing that Lenny Dykstra once said. And you... What's that? You know what I'm talking about? No. He hit a he hit a very important home run in the 86 World Series or in the 86 play I, I I'm going to get the year wrong. It's either in the 86 NLCS or World Series or it could be in the 88 NLCS like uh, in another playoff game that the well, Mets Well, the, the Mets won in 86. Yeah, 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 but then they were in the playoffs again in 88, I think. So um it, it's one of the, it's he hit an important home run in a playoff game. And the press asked him about it after in the locker room. And he said, that's the biggest home run. I've never hit a bigger home run than that, except when I was playing Stratomatic Baseball with my brother. Okay, <laughs> so, now I understand so, why you like the quote. So that's the only thing I like about Lenny Dykstra. I'm pretty sure that there are more important home runs he's hit than the one he did in Stratomatic, but okay. Yeah. Is there? Do we have a round two? Unfortunately, we don't have round two. We might have to wait until next week. So today's uh-huh. game show is over. Okay, great. I love it. Although, that could segue into the next thing we're going to talk about. Please go ahead. Before you segue into the next thing, I just I feel like I need to speak. Like, I was torn this week. I was almost about to tell you this morning, I don't think we can report, record a podcast today. Like, I feel weird about recording with everything that's going on in the news. And I just feel weird about it. But... Like we've said over the last like eight weeks and even three years, this is actually my my favorite hour of the week. So I'm not going to deprive myself of talking about nonsense for an hour with you <laughs> just because of what's going on in the news. And and I don't want to be insensitive. I know what's going on. I follow politics. I'm heavily involved. I, I follow it like crazy. I don't know what more to say other than that. Like, if you don't want to listen, if you think it's weird that we're talking about stupidity, you don't have to listen. But we're here to just provide a little bit of uh, distraction because the world is basically on fire. So, very well said, and I'll and I'll add to that that something that we've said before, you've said many times to me that mm. sports is a distraction, and the reason mm-hmm. I watch sports and the reason I turn on sports channels is because I want to know what my favorite team is doing or my favorite player is doing, um, yeah. and I don't want to hear about all the negative depressing things that are going on in the world right um right so yes if someone doesn't want to listen they can turn it off that's it okay so now let's continue what do you want to segue into major league baseball so you sent me an excellent link yesterday about a story um regarding 
former executive vice president of the Montreal Expos, David Sampson, and current uh, ESPN MMA analyst, Ariel Helwani. Right. Now, like, I don't know how I missed this. I, I mean, I didn't miss it because I sent it to you, but it's a couple days old. And this was like literally the f- best thing I've listened to on a podcast in five years. <laughs> like... And not that it was so good, because Helwani was getting annoying after a while. And I'll post a link to this in our in our notes so people can listen to it. Like he was getting annoying because, but I mean, before he, before he you even before you even continue, yeah. um, we should set this up because sure, please um, go ahead. There's people that don't know who David Sampson is. There's people who don't know who Ariel Helwani is. Um, and even though I've introduced them, um, so basically. David Sampson and his stepfather, or former stepfather, um, <laughs> used to be owners of the Montreal Expos. They sold the team to Major League Baseball, and then Major League Baseball sold the team to someone else, and now Montreal doesn't have a baseball team anymore. Um, they're now in Washington, D.C., and any living, breathing Montreal Expos fan blames Jeffrey Loria and David Sampson for the demise of the Montreal Expos. Mm-hmm. So you and I and thousands of other Expos fans have probably wanted to say many things to David Sampson and Jeffrey Loria over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. But we've yeah. never had the opportunity to meet them or speak to them. But and Helwani just said everything that we all wanted to say. Right? Yes. So now I'll yeah. let you continue. No, no. The, 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 the interview's fascinating. Like, I think David Sampson's a weasel, right? Like, he's a weasel. Everybody knows he is. But I got to give him credit because he shows up. He shows up, like, in Florida radio. He's on with this radio host all the time, taking crap because they ruined the Marlins franchise too, right? Like, <laughs> and um, he's not afraid to, like, face the music. Like, he's like, he's like, you want to call me names? You want to say whatever? Like, he's he takes the heat. He's not running away. So I give him credit for that. But Helwani was brilliant because he he came with his facts and he he just said everything we've wanted to say over the years. But I did agree with a lot of stuff that Samson said, specifically the how like he Samson, I mean, he has his share of the blame and it's huge with what happened to the Expos franchise. Like the the blame lies on him and Loria a lot of it, but the local owners that he was partners with have just as much share of the blame. And when he, he actually made a very good point when he said they wanted us to be the face so that when the team folded, we would take the blame and all the local owners would look like everything, you know, the, like they hadn't, they couldn't stop it. And, and he brought up a lot of good points and, and I've always thought that the local owners are just as much to blame as them. Like, honestly, it's just that, He's just such a weasel, you know? He just, every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Every word, you know? And Helwani's um, uh, best point that he made was at the end. And he's like, you could say everything you want, lay the blame on everything else, lay the blame on other people, and have all kinds of reasons why it wasn't your fault in Montreal. But the problem is, the exact same history repeated in Florida. You know? You, you lied your ass off in Florida as well. And you you swindle taxpayers out of money to build the state. Like, there's so much crap that they did in Miami 
like that just proves that they're dishonest people, right? From the start, right? They 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 didn't they didn't they're not righteous owners who were duped by the local owners. No, they they screwed people here and they screwed people there. <laughs> You know, like that's just, that's just what it is, you know? So I, I just loved it. I loved listening to it yesterday. It made me very angry listening to it because it's reliving a part of history that I really, it really hurts, you know, when to th- talk about the loss of the Expos and that era, you know, so. So I have some of the same thoughts as you. And, and I will say this, considering it was like an hour and 45 minute podcast, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like mm-hmm. an hour and 45 minutes. It flew by. Mm-hmm. Um, normally when podcasts are that long or, or anything is that long, I don't have yeah. the attention span to sit through the whole thing, but I was glued to my phone, literally Me too. Me um, too. listening to this and yeah. it did feel somewhat, um, therapeutic, uh, to hear Ariel Helwani say all the things that I would have wanted to say to David Sampson. Um, yeah. however, I will say this, um, because you and I lived through the whole thing, so we know all the minute details. Oh, yeah. But if somebody doesn't know who David Sampson is and doesn't know who Ariel Helwani is and doesn't know the whole history or anything about the Montreal Expos, and they were to listen to this podcast not knowing anything, you would yeah. come out of it thinking that actually David Sampson yeah. held held his own in this uh, debate or discussion or whatever you want to call it. Like, he actually I- had legitimate answers to a lot of the questions that Helwani was asking. And in fact, and, and in fact, yeah. even though Helwani, his facts were all accurate, the way he presented them wasn't like a lawyer would present things in court. He was just basically throwing this out and throwing that out. And there were a lot of times where he wouldn't even let Samson get a word in. If it wasn't for the guy who was moderating, Samson probably wouldn't have had a chance to talk at all. It was very emotional. Helwani was emotional. He wasn't being objective like a reporter like he is. He was extremely emotional. So his arguments came off as emotional. And I agree. If you didn't know the story and if you didn't know what was what, you would say, hey, Samson sounds like, you know, did he do wrong? Yes, but it doesn't sound like he was as bad as he's depicted, you know, basically. So there's some interesting stuff in there that I didn't know, you know, basically like uh, how he... He walked out of the RDS president's office in a meeting and, you know, the part where he said Philippe Alou was a crusty old man. Yeah, that's true. But the same could be said about 20 other, like... Pretty much every single Major League Baseball manager. Exactly. Every manager is going to be like that. And then, and actually Philippe, um, given the fact that, like, basically the owners have been screwing him his whole life... Like, even when he was a player, you know, like, this guy has no trust for the owners, right? So, so his whole career as a player and a manager, so why is he all gonna all of a sudden going to trust these guys? But, you know, the, he told a story, and I don't know if you were with me at Olympic Stadium that day. He told a story about how he was, Helwani, he was going through the rotunda of opening day, whatever day, year it was, and he saw Jeffrey Loria there and he shook his hand. He hugged him. He hugged him. He hugged him. I, and you're going to see why I said shook his hand, because I don't know if I was with you or not at the, at a game. I was at a game at Olympic stadium. It was early in that same season where he was brand new. Right. And, um, and before the game, we saw Loria sitting like in like basically the front row section. I forget it. It was sort of behind hope in between home plate and first baseline. And, um, uh, in the same area where what's her name used to sit, um, Katie, Katie, exactly the mega Expos fan. So 
we saw him there and and there was a crowd of people trying to like go and see and like i was part of that crowd and i got to see him and i shook his hand and i said thank you for saving our team like honestly like people looked at this guy like he was going to be the big savior and we just got duped like big time you know but like samson said maybe they were trying to save the team like i, I don't think i think I don't think they came into the whole deal with bad intentions. I think originally they must have thought we're going to have a team, you know? Well, apparently, and again, I'm not sure that I can believe anything that comes out of Samson's mouth, but mm-hmm. apparently Bud Selig told Samson and Loria before they bought the team, mm-hmm. Selig said, if you buy this team, you're not moving this team. I'm telling you right now, you're not moving this team. So if you're yeah. doing this, be forewarned. It's a bad situation. It's fine if you want to do it, but you're not moving this team. Now, I, yeah, again, look what I, I have a hard time believing anything that comes out of Samson's mouth. And you know, Bud Selig and Samson and Loria, they're three of my top five most hated people on the earth. So, well, Bud Selig, you don't believe a word this guy says. So, the fact that they actually did basically flip the Expos for the Marlins, <laughs> like, that's what happened. You know, they said, we don't want this team, let us take Florida. Okay, you know, like... <laughs> So we know what happened. So it's it's hard to believe that at a certain point they didn't know what was going on, you know? So And it's interesting. They really got into detail about some Montreal stuff. There's a whole anti-Semitism angle. I get that. I don't want to talk about that. I think Helwani was completely right, to be honest. Um, although you and I live in Montreal. Is there anti-Semitism in Montreal? Of course there is. There's anti-Semitism in every city. But, you know? But what... Dave Samson should have said, because it wasn't anti-Jewish. The province of Quebec is anti-English. Yes, exactly. It's not Jewish. Like, if you're English, then that's it. You're you're like a completely second-class citizen. You yeah, could be so- English and Italian. You could be English and Greek. You could be English and Chinese. You could be English and Jewish, whatever. That's the problem. It's not because you're yeah. Jewish. It's because you're not French. Yeah, but I, I feel like he didn't fully understand that. Like the business me- the business community in Quebec at the time and still to a certain extent today, like they just don't want they 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 don't want these they didn't want these guys they were outsiders, you know? They they didn't want these guys. They they weren't part but but Samson's defense was like who else was coming? There was no one else, right? If they don't step in, it's it, 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 we don't even have those extra 4 years or whatever it is, right? That's true. So that's one thing I'll say that, you know, while Samson and Loria were probably the final nails in the coffin, the issue started well before they arrived. Oh, the issue started in uh when they traded Gary Carter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. That that was 1984 or 85, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, we talk about the Expos every time. <laughs> and it seems like for a franchise that hasn't existed since 2004, we always have stuff to talk about. Did you watch that playoff game this week? <laughs> so I'll get to your question in a sec. But it's times like these that I'm actually yeah. happy that Montreal doesn't have a baseball team. Because if they did, I would just be pulling my hair out anyway. Well, I mean, we've talked about it for the last four weeks in a row. And we don't talk about it for more than two minutes. But... The baseball players and the owners are just, I mean, it's... They're clueless. I'm actually worried about, like, I have a note here, Josh. I have a note in my notes to talk about. And I wrote down, is this the end of baseball? Like, is this the end of baseball? It could be. I mean, at this point, like, they're they're haggling over, are we going to play 100 games? Are we going to play 50 games? Like, like, you know what? Just don't play at all. (laughs) 
it's not just the haggling it's that the sides are not actually cooperating like in in basketball and hockey the owners and the players got together and said how can we save our season how can we what's the best thing to do for our sport what's the best thing to do for our league right like we're all in this together type of attitude and in baseball it's just like no we want our piece of the pie and the owners are like no we want our piece of the pie and you know the players are like you promised us that you'd you'd give us our full game like per game salary no matter how many games we played and the owners are like okay that's what you want okay we'll play only 50 games <laughs> right like so so like it's really really ugly i don't you don't listen to buster only uh do you no i don't maybe i no. should he he gave the great example this week this is what it is you're at a funeral and in the back row of the the memorial service sitting all the way in the back row are two cousins <laughs> And the two cousins are arguing out loud in front of everybody at this memorial service. <laughs> Those are the two cousins, the players and the owners. You just wish you could tell them to shut up, right? That is a good analogy. Yeah. And I now I'll answer. Analogy. I had another analogy this week. Can I give you another one yeah. unrelated to baseball? Just related to what's going on in the world. And I saw this on Twitter. Right now, Canada is like the upstairs neighbor in an apartment building. And the downstairs neighbor is a meth lab. That's like from that, uh, Breaking Bad. That's what Canada is. We're the upstairs neighbor of a meth lab right now. Ready to explode. All right. I like it. But Continue. now let me answer your question that you asked about two minutes ago. I did watch the 1981 baseball game. Oh, yeah. And I have to tell you, it was a pretty boring game, actually. Very boring. I, I had to fast forward most of it. Now, I mean, obviously, if you're watching it live, it's a little bit more exciting than than you're watching it, you know, 30 years later or whatever it is, 40 years later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't recall ever seeing that game when it happened at the time. I don't either. And I was just stunned. I, mean, I, I was just stunned it, that Warren Cromartie was batting leadoff because he's one of the slowest people of all time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Reigns wasn't playing, right? So... It's Did actually you that like go ahead. No, it's actually surprising that that team like you look at that lineup, it doesn't yeah. instill fear at all. I'm surprised they did as well as they did. Don't forget. I, I and I agree with you. The lineup didn't look great. But don't forget, those are the days that basically like you be the 7 8 and then of course the 9 batters in your lineup sucked often. Right, every team had a light hitting shortstop, and every team had another light hitting second baseman. Maybe that was fast, right? But like that was it. <laughs> like the, so, there wasn't a lot of like your lineups weren't as stacked as they are today. Um, well, that being said, you know, like if Reigns was there, obviously it's different. He was injured, but you still had. And don't forget, Cromartie was a three hundred hitter. He wasn't like a bad hitter. Yeah, right? Cromartie was decent. Yeah, but he's not a leadoff guy. No, 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 of course. And did you notice, like, Tim Wallach played right field at the end of that game? Yeah, well, because Tim Wallach was a rookie, I think, right? It was, yeah. He was, Larry uh, Parrish was he still wasn't on even the team. a rookie. He was like a call-up. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Francona. Yeah, and actually, people forget how good Terry Francona was on the Expos for a couple of seasons. Like, there's some couple of seasons where, he, one season, I think he was batting like 340 or something, and then he tore up his knee. Two years later, he comes back again. He's hitting over 300, and then again, he tears up his knee. He was a very, very uh, useful player for the Expos. Very good player, actually. So, the 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 year where Terry Francona was on a tear, and Tim Raines was playing second base, and then Francona yeah. got injured. So, yeah. that's the reason the Expos didn't win that year, because... 
because then that meant they had to move Tim Raines back to the outfield, which is fine. He's a much better outfielder. There's no question. But then it meant they had to use, I think, Rodney Scott at second base. So that was a huge difference between having Francona's bat in the lineup and Rodney Scott. Well, Rodney Scott was a 205 hitter. Well, there you go. So, (laughs) So that was the big difference. Rodney Scott would never, ever be able to be in a major league lineup in like in today's baseball. Oh my God. Never. I was thinking the same thing as I was watching Chris Spire. Like that guy would never be a major league baseball player today. Well, shortstops, shortstop, the position has changed. It evolved, right? Shortstop became now like your best player and one of your best hitters often, you know, but at the time, like think about the eighties, right? At the time, other teams, who did they have at shortstop? Larry Boa, um, Bill Russell, um, you know, like, well, I mean, Ozzy Smith was on the Cardinals. He wasn't really a good hitter at that yet. You know, the young Ozzy Smith. There were like, only there two was... good hitting shortstops back then. It was um, Dave Concepcion and Gary yeah. Templeton. Yeah, but Dave Concepcion wasn't even such a great hitter. Like, he was just good. Like, <laughs> right? So, actually, Chris Spire wasn't horrible. <laughs> but you're right. It's like, it's weird that he was the shortstop. And Rodney Scott, obviously, like, he was in the lineup because he used to steal, like, 50 bases. But the thing is, his on-base percentage, which is what they measure today, success by, was like, what, 320? 330? Like, that's pathetic, right? <laughs> yeah. So, just so as to show how things have changed, right? So, Can I bring up uh, Trevor Bauer for a minute? Again, Trevor Bauer. Well, Trevor Bauer is an interesting person. And we've talked about him a bit, and I'm sure you've read a lot about him. But I did a little bit more research on Trevor Bauer this week. Okay. He's more interesting than I even thought. Okay. For one thing, I mean, he's born and raised in California. He went to UCLA. However, he's a big Duke Blue Devils fan. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm fine with it, but I don't really quite understand it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, well, you know that he has decided that he's only going to sign one-year contracts. Right. Um, which, fine, like he's betting on himself, and if he thinks he's good, then good for him. But... You never hear a player saying this because he's currently on the Cincinnati Reds and he has come out and said publicly that he's looking forward to one day playing for the Dodgers. Now, I could see why he'd want to play for the Dodgers because it's his hometown, but you never hear a player saying that he wants to play for a different team other than the one he's currently playing for. (laughs) So true. He's like, yeah, I'm currently playing for the Reds, but boy, oh boy, I'd love to play for the Dodgers one day. (laughs) So anyway, it's just very interesting. The other interesting thing... um, couple of things so he actually this was before the pandemic started during spring training he had an off day i guess and so he decided that he was going to go to a different baseball game a cubs game just as a regular fan um you know like he no one got him free tickets he paid for his tickets he paid for his parking he paid for the food whatever um and he went with his agent his agent by the way is female and she's very attractive um (laughs) okay So the two of them went together and then there was a third person who was filming the whole thing. Um, So he just wanted to see what it was like going to a game as a fan because he hadn't done that in years. spring training game? Yeah, spring training game. Oh, okay. And then, you know, they're they're in the car and they're trying to guess, well, how much are tickets going to cost? How much are hot dogs going to cost? How much is parking going to cost? And how much is this whole day going to cost for two people? And he estimated that it would be 90 bucks total for the two of them. Okay. It ended up, and she picked the over, and she was right. It was way over. It was over 100. Even spring training. Even spring training. Um, 
But it was just interesting. And then a lot of people actually didn't even recognize him. I mean, some people did like, hey, you're uh-huh. Trevor Bauer. But he was just dressed in shorts and a T-shirt like he wasn't, you know. I wouldn't recognize him. Now, the final thing I'll say about him, this is an interview that was done um, in 2018, I think. Sorry, February of 2019. He has like rules on relationships. He's, he's not married. At least he wasn't in February 2019. I don't think he is now. And yeah. he says, I have three rules about relationships. I'll just read them to you okay. and then we'll go on to something else. Okay. Number one, no feelings. As soon as I sense you're developing feelings, I'm going to cut it off because I'm not interested in a relationship and I'm emotionally unavailable. Okay. Number two, no social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. I like that rule. I actually like number two. And number three, I sleep with other people. I'm going to continue to sleep with other people. If you're not okay with that, we won't sleep together, and that's perfectly fine. We can just be perfectly polite, platonic friends. Well, that goes sort of goes with, like, rule number one. Like, I don't understand. So he basically doesn't actually want a relationship. He just wants, like, he just wants, like, friends with benefits. I guess. He does go on to say that, he says, I imagine if I was married at this point, I would be a very bad husband. At least he's self-aware. At least, no. yeah, at least he's honest. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have any problem with him. I just thought it was interesting. He's an interesting guy because he's very outspoken. And a lot of the stuff he says is ridiculous. But a lot of the stuff he says is really true. And he's not afraid to call people out. Agreed. But I do have a question for you, Josh. I know you gave me a game show before. Okay. And I have a question. It's been bugging me for two weeks and I forgot to ask it last week. What's bugging Skip? Things that bug me? No, no, two weeks ago, you started the show by saying, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I talk about that you don't care about. <laughs> okay, yeah. And we never, we never like broached the subject. So like, what, what are the things that you think I don't care about? Um, well, I'd have to think back to what, what I was talking about that episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm sure there are, it was there probably... are things that you bring up, but then I'm like, I don't believe you're, I can't believe you're talking about this. But no, there was one I, thing I specifically. Just... There was there was one thing specific. Oh yes, I think it was the um when I was telling when I was telling you the story about some former groundskeeper at Olympic Stadium was saying that Pete Rose had corked his bat. Yeah. Well, I thought that story was amusing, but like. But you sort of shrugged <laughs> it off when I mentioned it. I didn't. Re- it didn't resonate with me. Let's just say. But I guess that's what a conversation's all about. There's some stuff you're going to care about, and there's some stuff that you're not going to care about. So and then, and then I, there was another thing. It might have been the same day where I said something, yeah. and you had said to me, and maybe this was in a text message. It might not even been on our show, where you said, uh, "Oh yeah, I've known about that for days or weeks already." Well, there's a lot of stuff that you do text me, and I've already know about it. A lot of things that you text me, sports news. I'm like, yeah, I read about that yesterday. Because you're not on Twitter or Facebook or anything. Like, so I get, I, I'm inundated with links and stuff, like all the time, you know. And actually, this past week, I really envied you, um, not being on any of the social media because not being on social media is kind of a blessing these days. It's really demoralizing being on Twitter. Twitter is is toxic right now in general, um, and. And I, I kind of envy you. And my wife is in the same boat. She's not on social media. She doesn't watch the news. So she's kind of oblivious to what's going on in the world. She, she's following it loosely. But in a way, it brings you a lot of like, I think you're at more at peace with things than I am. I'm like all riled up when I watch the news and or or when I get on my computer. And, and you don't have to deal with that because you just say, no, I'm not going to be on Facebook. You know, Actually, I did something this week 
not for the reason you think. Mm. So now when I leave the house, which is very rare, yeah, I want to take as little items with me as possible because anything I take with me, I then need to clean it when I come home. <laughs> okay, that's awesome, yeah. I know this sounds crazy, but I do. So like I have to clean my keys, I have to clean... So I don't take my wallet anymore. I only take my credit card, my driver's license, my health card, and maybe five bucks in cash because I never use cash anyway. Uh I leave my rest of my wallet here. Um, I've now started leaving my phone at home. I don't take it with me. Oh, wow. Um, That's great. You're like like going back to like the uh, the 80s, you know, where you left the house and you you couldn't be reached. And you know know what? Like I actually enjoy not having my phone with me. Yeah, you don't you don't miss it? No, I don't at all. I'm, I enjoy in, in not a way, having. I think it. it's very. It must be very like relaxing not having your phone with you. It really. is. It is. Yeah. The only time I'm gonna need my phone is if like I'm in a bank and it's held up and I want to call nine one one. But since I'm not going to a bank, I don't think I need my phone. Apparently, going to a bank is like the most complicated thing to do right now, more than going anywhere. I actually went to the bank about 10 days ago. I had to go. Like, I, I never but did go. did you have to make an appointment to, I, to go? I did make an appointment in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let me in. And then the door is locked, and they ask you who you are and who your appointment was with and what time, and then they let me in. It's funny, right? Because think about me and you. Like, I, I barely ever have to. The only time I have to go to the bank is, like, if I need American cash, basically. And even then, I don't always go to the bank. I go to other places, but... Um, I very rarely have to ever go to the branch and and like, but there are many people that do that rely on going to the bank. Many like seniors have to go to the bank. They're, they're not used to like paying their bills online or going to the ATMs or whatever it is, you know? So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. The banks are like, it's, it's a little bit of a difficult situation. Like right now, they don't want people coming. So agreed. Before we sign off, remember, you can listen and subscribe to new and archived episodes of the Skip and Josh podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and of course, Spotify. If you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you via email, skipandjoshshow at gmail.com, via Twitter at Skip and Josh, or by liking and following our Facebook page. As always, you can get all the links to everything I just talked about on our website, skipandjosh.com. We leave you with this. Here's what I wanted to end the show with. Please. Every week, and I don't know if you say this on the show or you just say it to me, but every week you tell me how how much you love Seinfeld and how much you love listening to old episodes. It's not listening, watching old episodes of Seinfeld. And they're on like literally a dozen times a day on on various different channels. I watch it like all day, every day. Like it's always on. So I don't. I mean, I've seen every episode once. Yeah. I've seen some of them yeah. twice. And I don't really need to see them again. I mean, if they're on, sure, whatever. But like, I don't go looking for it. But okay. the other day, I actually saw, like I was watching, I think, The Goldbergs. It was a rerun of The Goldbergs. And this was like at 10 o'clock at night. And it was, The Goldbergs was half over. And I noticed on the guide right after The Goldbergs, Seinfeld was going to be on. So I decided, right. okay. And in honor of you, I'm going to watch this old episode of Seinfeld. I didn't know which one it was going to be. Turns out, it was great. It was the Keith Hernandez episode. I loved it. It was fantastic. The Keith Hernandez actually is a two-parter, believe it or not. Well, I only saw one part this week. Right. The Keith Hernandez is a tremendous episode. Tremendous. It is. 
what the whole monologue that Jerry does with the JFK with the second spitter and I mean, it's just classic stuff, honestly. That's like the heyday of the show. There's there's a certain part of Seinfeld where uh, like the early episodes and I, and I don't remember the seasons and everything. Like the early episodes is really like the show's different. It's really like you could see they didn't know exactly where they were going, what they were doing. They had something funny, but they weren't sure. And then at a certain point, it really, really hit its stride. And then the more newer episodes are really actually not as good. Many of the more, the later episodes are not as good. There's a, there's a, a sweet spot in there where they're just great. My favorite part about the Hernandez episode is when Jerry's telling Elaine that he met him. And like, mm-hmm. he's talking about him as if like they're going on a date. Yeah, well, like should I wear point, this right? shirt? Should I wear that shirt? Should yeah. I call him today? Should I call him tomorrow? It was hilarious. Yeah, no, the show's awesome. The show's awesome. So uh, I, I did uh, I did something this week, Josh. Um, I have two things to end the show, and this is my the ending segment might be very long. So I subscribed to Amazon Prime <laughs> because uh, we've exhausted Netflix, <laughs> so we decided to give Amazon Prime a, a go this week. And uh, we watched an entire uh, season one of a show called Little Fires Everywhere. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it. Never heard of it. Um, it's with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington and a bunch of teenage actors. And actually, uh, Joshua Jackson, you know, Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is he's that guy the, now? He's the dad. He's like our age. That's so funny. <laughs> you know? So... Um, it's it was really a good show like the acting was tremendous we watched it like this whole week there was only eight episodes so we like it took us less than a week to watch the show um and it was tremendous so i would recommend it um and then i wanted to tell you the other thing that i did yesterday okay i paid uh 25 dollars us to do an online cooking uh, class, I should say. I don't know if it's a class, but like to cook together on a Zoom call with a sh- a uh, personality from the Food Network. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Is it is it a live yeah. thing? It was live. It was a Zoom call with a hundred people on it. Oh, you already did it. I did it last night. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did it yesterday at five o'clock. And so, so how long per- did it last? It was a one hour. It, the, the, the first of all, the twenty five dollars went to a charity, the New York Wine and Food Festival, like foundation. Like basically, they're supporting many of the New York restaurants that are closed during this time, and um, they are offering all these classes with all different Food Network people. So I really like this one person. Her name is Molly Ye. It's spelled Y E H. Um, I watch her show all the time, and I, I really enjoy her show, and I like the stuff that she makes. So like, it was amazing to like do the class, do the thing with her yesterday, and make this homemade pizza that she she did. So it was, it was really, really a lot of fun. And then you got to ask questions at the end. Everybody was muted. All the questions were via chat, and there was a moderator. You, no one's mic was live, but you could see everyone's cameras and the other people that were on, and she could see you. you know? So it was really, it was really a lot of fun and really good. So here's my concern about things like that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, uh, I one time ordered, you know, those uh, those meal kits that come with all the ingredients, and they tell you how to make it. Yeah. Which is pretty good because then, you know, you have all the ingredients. You don't have too much of anything. You don't have too little of anything. Yeah. But, um, like, they tell you on the description, you know, this will take 20 minutes to make. This will make 30 minutes to make. And 30 minutes, there's nothing longer than 30 minutes. Uh And I've done them. And they all take over an hour. 
Oh, I know. Well, you'll also maybe you're not as they all take over an hour. Yeah. Like well, I've done, I I've done six of them. They all take over an hour for me. In this case, they they sent you the Zoom invite and they said, "Here's your shopping list." So you, ha I had to go and buy all the ingredients before, right? And then what I did is, so like I prepared all my ingredients too. So if I needed like three cloves of garlic chopped, I chopped it up before at four o'clock. I started doing ready. So I had all my little bowls of all my stuff ready. So when she started doing the recipe, I was like, okay, I just add this. I just said that everything was prepared. So it was really like well, quite well done. And the recipe wasn't complicated. So like you had time to do stuff if you needed to, you know, it was, it was fun. And if she does another one, I would do it again. Like, honestly, I would do it again if she offers another one because it was super fun. That's very cool. So if you go on my personal Instagram, Avi Sherman, you can see the picture of what I made. What's it called? It was, it was the dish? Yeah. It was a pizza. It was, it was called the, it was called a shakshuka. You know what shakshuka is? I do. It's delicious. Right. So this was like a shakshuka pizza. Interesting. So actually, basically it was just a pizza with three, with eggs on it. You know, it's, it's, you know a, how it's in brunch. the shakshuka there's like the eggs, right? So there was the eggs on the pizza. I'll send you the picture. It was fun. And actually, I was skeptical because I don't like eggs on anything. And I was disappointed. <laughs> I wanted her to make something else. I wasn't excited to eat it. But me and Matthew ate the pizza afterwards. And he was like, this is delicious. <laughs> and Matthew's like a big critic. Like, if he doesn't like something, he's going to tell you right away, I don't like this. You know, he took one bite into it. He goes, this is great. So that was like a high. That was like a pretty big approval. There. Speaking of Matthew, is he even awake yet? No. I hear some rumblings in my house. But... Uh, <laughs> By the way, it's 12.30. No, they don't get up before 2 o'clock, my kids. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. But right. they probably went to bed at 5 in the morning. I don't know when they went to bed, honestly. This is the most peaceful time in our house because normally now, school's over, summertime, whatever, they're going out till all hours, my kids. And you don't know where they are, where they're, when they're coming home. Now, at least we have them, like, self-contained. It's a very, very peaceful. They're all... Everybody's home, you know? <laughs> so... All right, Josh, same time next week. Same time, sure. I'll be there.